Launching rockets doesn't have to be rocket science with MongoDB. While you might not be launching rockets, modern apps need to incorporate analytics just like NASA and SpaceX. To see how MongoDB Atlas shifts real-time analytics into your applications, check out our three-part live stream where my guest Jay Runkle will build an application in real-time, simulating a rocket launch with multiple devices generating one million metrics per second. The fun starts live on LinkedIn and YouTube Live on March 15th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Visit the show notes for this episode or click the banner for more details. Welcome to the show. Today on the podcast, Jeremy McCola. He's an engineer at MongoDB, and today Jesse Hall and I sit down with Jeremy to learn all about the PHP driver and get a little bit of the history of MongoDB and PHP. Stay tuned. Uh, so I picked up PHP as a hobby in high school. Date myself here, high school graduation was around 2001. It's kind of the mid-90s, uh, get home from school, load up Napster, work on a personal, had a personal SimCity website, which started off around the time of PHP Nuke, was one of the early CMS frameworks back then. And a lot of it was just tinkering, copy-pasting, and finding out how stuff works, kind of self-taught until you get to college and then actually have real computer science classes and understand there's math behind programming and all these other things. Concept. So it's definitely, it was a hobby through most of uh, college. My college curriculum was not PHP at all. And then afterwards, I was able to, ended up getting a full-time job uh, working on it, and that was with uh, Symphony One. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Hey, Jesse, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Fantastic. It's great to have you back on the podcast. Hey, what's your experience with PHP? I've done a little bit of PHP in the past, mostly JavaScript though, so not too much. But today we do have a special guest, Jeremy McCullough. He's a staff engineer with MongoDB, and he knows all about the PHP driver. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on how long have you been with MongoDB? Hi, nice to be here. So I've joined MongoDB in just over nine years. It's the middle of May was my nine-year anniversary. And the entire time here, a lot of employees been here that long. They tend to shuffle around different departments and get new experiences. I've been on the driver's team the entire time. So when I find a place that you're comfortable with, you stick there. So when I came on board, the team was maybe about 10 or 12 people, maybe one or two people per language. We didn't have nearly as many officially supported languages as we do today. But the PHP driver was one of the first ones. It was developed actually by some of the server engineers. Christina, she's one of the early employees, no longer at MongoDB now. But so yeah, back then it was PHP, Python, Ruby, C Sharp, Java, and I think Node, and it's grown out since then. Fantastic. And what's your personal experience with PHP? How did you get involved in PHP? Uh, so I picked up PHP as a hobby in high school. Date myself here, high school graduation was around 2001. It's kind of the mid-90s, uh, get home from school, load up Napster, work on a personal, had a personal SimCity website, which started off around the time of PHP Nuke, was one of the early CMS frameworks back then. And a lot of it was just tinkering, copy-pasting, and finding out how stuff works, kind of self-taught until you get to college and then actually have real computer science classes and you understand there's math behind programming and all these other things, concepts. So it's definitely, it was a hobby through most of uh, college. My college curriculum was not PHP at all. And then afterwards, I was able to ended up getting a full-time job uh, working on it, and that was with uh, Symphony One at the time. It's around like 2007, and followed uh, a couple of companies, and the role after that ended up being the Symphony Two framework, 
I was just coming out and that was around the time that PHP really started maturing with like package managers and much more object oriented, kind of shedding the, some of the old bad publicity it had of the, the uh, early years. And from there, that was also the, uh, that second PHP job is where I got started with MongoDB. So we were actually across the street from MongoDB's office in Midtown, New York, uh, in the Flatiron District. And uh, customer support back then used to be go downstairs, go across the street, go up to Elliot's desk uh, in the ShopWiki offices and the Mongo the old 10 gen offices, and you go ask your question. <laughs> that kind of works when you only have uh, a few official customers. Talking about Elliot Horowitz. The, yes, uh, Elliot the Horowitz, the co-founder, was much more accessible accessible then when the company was a lot smaller. And uh, from that role, ended up jumping to a uh, second PHP company, kind of the same framework, also using Mongo, uh, same tech stack. And after that role, I was uh, approached by an old coworker from the first company that used Mongo. He had ended up at the driver's team, uh, Steve Francia. He was one of the first engineering managers of the driver's team to help build the initial, a lot of the employees that are still in the driver's team now, a lot of the, the folks leading the, the teams or hired by him or came around at the same time. So the early developers of the Python, the Java driver. And so he, we had a little interview, came back, wasn't allowed to recruit me out of the first job, whatever paperwork you sign, you can't recruit your old coworkers. But after I uh, spent some time somewhere else, he was happy to bring me on. I learned about the opportunity to come on the driver's team. And I was really excited to go from working on applications to going and developing libraries suited for other developers instead of like a customer facing product. And so that's kind of been the, the story since then. Just really enjoyed working on APIs as well as I was working on the ODM library at the time, which we can talk about a little bit later. So kind of was already involved in a lot of the MongoDB PHP ecosystem. Cool. So let's let's talk more about that that PHP driver. So what is it? Why is it useful to our listeners? How does it work? Okay. Yep. So level set for the, the basic explanation. So every language since MongoDB doesn't expose a. It's not like some databases. It might have a, a REST protocol where you just have a web client accessing it. So you do need a driver to speak the wire protocol language. And the MongoDB drivers, in particular, are different from some other database drivers. We do a lot of the monitoring of servers and kind of a lot more heavy than you might find in an equivalent like SQL driver, especially like the PHP MySQL drivers. So the driver is a much more intensive library with a lot of the network programming. We're also responsible for converting how MongoDB stores documents in uh, its binary JSON format, BSON, converting that to whatever the language's natural representation is. So like in Java, that might be just be mapping it to Java classes with PHP. The original driver would turn everything into associative arrays, make sure that a MongoDB string becomes a PHP string, vice versa. And so the original PHP driver, you had familiar concepts across all drivers. You have your client object that you connect to the database with, and then you have your database, your collection. And the goal is to make whatever language the user is writing their application in, make the driver as idiomatic as possible. And this kind of bit us early on because the driver is maybe too idiomatic and now they're inconsistent with each other, which becomes a struggle with someone that's writing a MongoDB application, say C-sharp, and uh, PHP, there might be two very different experiences or Python and Node. And the one thing that we haven't since then was writing specifications to kind of codify what are the areas that we want to be idiomatic, but we also want to have consistent APIs. And this has also been a boon to our support team because if the drivers can behave predictably, both kind of have a familiar API on the outside that our users develop with, and then also internally, how do they behave when they connect to MongoDB? Um, so kind of being able to enforce that and having internal tests that are shared across all the different drivers I, has been a huge plus to our support team. As they've so talk, talk a little bit about that, the, the balance between a standards-based approach and, and the idiomatic approach. How does that come together? Right. So this has definitely been a learning process from the some of the early specifications. One of the first specifications we had was for the CRUD API, which stands acronym for Create, Read, Update, Delete. 
And that was one of the, that's an essential component of every API, like how do you insert data into MongoDB and read it back? And having that API lets us standardize on, uh, this is a fine method, what are the options it should take? How does this map to the the servers and the MongoDB shell API as well. That was another project that exists outside of the driver's team's control. But from our customer standpoint, the Mongo shell is also something that they're common to use. So we try to enforce some consistency with that as well. And the specifications, we want to, at a functional level, provide a consistent experience. But in terms of honoring that every language should be idiomatic, we're going to make allowances that say in C-sharp, you have special types to represent time units of time. Whereas other languages like C or Python, you might just use uh, integers or, or numeric types. So having the specification say, if you're going to express like the query time or, or a time limit on the query, we'll allow like C-sharp driver. We'll say, if you have a, a time object, you can certainly make use of that type. Uh, and in other languages, so it's providing guidance and also consistent naming. So we'll say this method should be called find or find one. In your language, if you use camel case or you use snake case like Python with underscores, we're going to let you use that variation and that'll keep things idiomatic so that user using a Python library doesn't expect to see Pascal style method names in their application. They're going to, we want it to blend in with other libraries in that language's ecosystem, but the behavior should be predictable and there should be a common sense of what functionality is supported across all the different drivers. And, and is that supported through synonyms in the language itself? So for you mentioned find and find one, and maybe some people are used to other other words to that stand for the the read functionality mm -hmm. in crud so this is that's a point where we do need to be opinionated about because this overlaps with also the mongodb documentation so if you go to the the mongodb server manual that the drivers team doesn't maintain you'll find language examples in there uh, which is an initiative we started a few years ago and that's code that we keep in the driver project that the docs team will then parse out and be able to embed in the mongodb manual it's the benefit of it we get to test it in our ci environments and then the mongodb manual you're browsing you can say i use this language and then all the code examples instead of the mongodb shell might be in your C sharp or Java or, or PHP. And so having consistent, having being able to enforce the actual names, we have to opinionate that we want a method that reads the database instead of calling it query or select. We want that to be called find. So we want that to be consistently named and we'll just leave flexibility in terms of the, the casing or if, if you need prefixing or something like that. But there's certain comments or certain core words we want users to think, oh, this is a find, this is a find operation. It also maps to the find command in the database. Also, same thing with inserts and updates. One of the other changes with the old drivers, we would have an update method. And in MongoDB, different ways that you work with documents, you can update them in place or you can replace the document. Now, both of those in the server's perspective are happening to be called an update command. So you had original drivers that would just have an update method with a bunch of options. And depending what options you pass in, it could do a myriad of different behaviors. You might be overwriting the entire document. You might be incrementing a value inside of it. So one of the things the CRUD API implemented was saying we're going to Kind of a, it's a kind of a poor design pattern to have an overloaded method name that changes behavior wildly based on the arguments. So let's create an update one method, a replace one method, and update many method. So now that when the users write their applications, instead of having to infer what are the options that I'm passing into this method, the method name itself leads to more like self-documenting code in the user's application. Awesome. So how do how, how do users get started using the driver? Yeah. So I think a lot of users, some maybe their first interaction might be through the online education courses that we have through MongoDB University. Not every driver, I, I don't believe there's a PHP class for that. There's definitely a Python, Java, Node, a few others, and there's kind of a priority list of <laughs> limited resources to produce that content. But a lot of users are introduced, I would say, through MongoDB University, probably also through going back nine years early on in the company, 
MongoDB had a huge presence at like college hackathons, going to conferences and doing booths, try out MongoDB. And that definitely more appropriate when we were smaller company, less people had heard about MongoDB. Now it's kind of a different approach to capturing developers. I think in this case, a lot of developers already heard about MongoDB and maybe it's less of a, maybe the focus has shifted towards find out how this database works to changing maybe misconceptions they might have about it or getting them to learn about some new features that we're implementing. I think another way that users pick up using databases is sometimes through projects that have MongoDB integrations. So at the first company where I was using MongoDB and Symfony 2, and both of them were, it was like a really early time to be using both of those uh, technologies, much less together. There was the, the concept of ORM libraries for PHP, which would kind of map your PHP classes to relational database. And at the time, I don't know who made this decision, but early startup, the worst thing you could possibly do is use two very new technologies <laughs> that are changing constantly and are arguably unproven. Someone higher up than me decided, let's use MongoDB with this new web framework still being actively developed and not formally released yet. And we need an ORM library uh, for MongoDB because we don't want to just write raw database queries back and forth. And so we developed a ODM library object document mapper instead of object relational mapper. And that was based on the same common interfaces as the, the corresponding ORM library. So that was the Doctrine ODM. And so this was a really early time to be writing that. But it integrated so well, it was into the framework and from such an early point that a lot of users, when picking up the Symphony 2 framework, they realized, oh, I have this ORM library that's integrated and an ODM library. They both have basically the same kind of support for all the common features, both in terms of uh, integrating with the web forms, all the bundles for like storing user accounts and uh, user sessions and things like that. So all those familiar functionalities is kind of a drop-in replacement. And maybe those users said, oh, I'm not going to be as new. I want to try this out. And so that being able to have like a very low barrier of entry to switch into it probably drove some users to, to certainly try it out and stick with it. We definitely, that's the second company I was at, was kind of using it in the same vein. It was available as a drop-in replacement and they were excited about the not being bound to a relational schema. So definitely had its uses. The first company was an e-commerce product. So they definitely made use of storing like flexible, the flexible schema design for storing like product information and stuff. And then the we actually used SQL database side-by-side -side there. Uh, just to do all the order transactional stuff. Certainly at the time, MongoDB did not have the same kind of level of uh, transactions and stuff that it does today. So that was, I'd, I'd credit that experience of using the right tool for the job in a different part of the company, like using MongoDB to represent products and using the relational database to do the order processing and transactions at the time definitely left me with a positive experience of using MongoDB versus like trying to shoehorn everything into the, the database at the time and realizing, oh, it doesn't work for, for this use case. I'm going to write an angry blog post about it. Yeah, I can relate. So if if listeners are looking to get started today, you mentioned the ODM, you mentioned the driver. What's the best way to get started today? So I definitely would suggest users not jump right in with an ODM library, because while that's going to help you ramp up and quickly develop an application, it's also going to abstract a lot of the components of the database away from you. So you're not going to get an understanding of how the query language works completely or maybe how to interact with aggregation pipelines, which are some of the richer features of, of MongoDB. That said, there's going to be some users that like when you need to, you're rapidly developing something, you don't want to think about that. Like you're deciding like I'm comfortable, maybe I want to use Atlas and use all the infrastructure behind it with the scaling and being able to easily set up backups and, and all that functionality. And so I just want to get down and start writing my application, crank out these model classes and just tap them stored in MongoDB. So different use cases. I would say, but if you really want to learn MongoDB, install the, the PHP driver comes in two parts. Uh, there's the PHP extension, which is uh, implemented in C. 
Uh, and so that's going to be the first thing you're going to install. And that's published as a Peckle package, like a lot of third-party PHP extensions. So you'll install that, and that's going to provide a very basic API. On top of that, we have a higher-level package written in PHP code itself. And that's kind of the offload, like what is the essential heavy lifting code that we have to do in C? And then what is the high-level APIs that we can implement in PHP? It's more maintainable for us. And then also users can read the code more easily and contribute to it if they wish. Uh, and so those two components collectively form what we call the PHP driver. And so using, once those are both installed, getting familiar with the API in terms of our the documentation for that high-level library, kind of goes through all the methods. We don't, I would say, well, there's never nearly enough tutorials, but there's a bunch of tutorials in there to introduce the CRUD methods, kind of explain the basics of inserting and reading and writing documents, MongoDB, writing queries, activation pipelines, iterating cursors. When you do a query, you get this cursor object back. How do you read your results back? So that would hopefully give users enough of a kind of a launch pad to get started. And I was certainly biased from having been exposed to MongoDB so long, but I think the driver APIs are mostly intuitive. And that's been certainly been the goal with a lot of the specifications we write. And I'll say this this does fall apart when we get into things like, say, client-side encryption, these advanced features. Or even being a long-term employee, some of these features don't make <laughs> complete sense to me because I'm not writing applications with them uh, the same way our users are. We would kind of, a driver engineer, we might have a portion of the driver's team work on a, on a new feature, a new specification for it. So not every driver engineer has the same benefit of being having it, the same holistic experience of the database platform as, as it was easy to do so nine years ago. Where I can say, oh, I came in and I was familiar with all these aspects of MongoDB. And now there's like components of MongoDB that I've never interacted with, uh, like some of the authentication mechanisms, some of the like the Atlas uh, full text search features. And there's just like way too much for us to, to wrap our heads around. Awesome. Yeah. And if the users want to get started, be sure to check the show notes. We'll include links to uh, everything there. Let's talk about the development process. So how does that work? And is there any community participation there? Today's episode is brought to you by MongoDB.Live. Registration is now open. The event is on July 13th and 14th. It's our biggest annual user event. Join us on the 13th and 14th for this free virtual event. It'll feature a solid lineup of cutting-edge technologies, keynotes, dozens of breakout sessions, ask-me-anything panels, brain-breaking activities, and so much more. Head on over to mongodb.com live to register and to get updates on what's in store for July. Yep, so the driver spec process, something that's definitely that's changed over the time is that I mentioned the specifications. So all the work that I would kind of divide the driver's workload into two different things. We have the downstream work that comes from the server or other teams. So like Atlas has a new feature, the server has a new feature, something like client-side encryption or the full-text search. And so the, for that to be used by our community, we need support for that in the driver, right? So we're going to have downstream tickets be created and a driver engineer or two, uh, a small team is going to spec out what the driver API for that feature should be. And that's going to come on our plate for the next Sophie consider like MongoDB 5.0, which is coming out soon. Or So if we look at MongoDB 5.0, which should be out within the summer, that's going to have a bunch of new features that need to end up in the driver API. And we're in the process of designing those and writing our tests for those. And then there's going to be another handful of features that are maybe fully contained within the driver, or maybe a single language has a new feature we want to write. Let's give you an example of PHP. We have a desire to improve the APIs around mapping BSON to PHP classes and back and forth. So that's something that tied back to the Doctrine ODM library, that was something that was the heavy lifting and that was done, that Doctrine did entirely in PHP. There's ways that we can use the C extension to do that. And it's a matter of writing enough C code to, to 
get the job done that the doctrine can fully rely on it instead of having to do uh, a lot of it still on its own. So the two, two of us working on the PHP driver now, myself and Andreas Braun, we both have a history of working on the Doctrine ODM project. So we know what the needs of that library are, and we're in a good position to spec out the kind of features. And more importantly, in this case, it involves a lot of prototyping to find out the right balance of how much code do we want to write and what's the the performance improvement that we'll be able to give the higher level libraries that can use the driver. But that's something that we're going to be, another example for other drivers is implementing uh, client-side operations timeout. So that's, this is an example of a cross-driver project that is basically entirely on the language drivers. And this is to give users a better API. Then. So right now, MongoDB has a whole bunch of options. If you want to you use socket timeouts, we can say, run this operation X amount of time. But in terms of what we want to give our users in the driver is just think about a logical amount of time that you want something to complete in and not have to set five different timeout options at various low levels. And so this is something that's being developed inside. We're specking out a common driver API to provide this. And this feature really kind of depends entirely on the drivers and money. And it's not really a server feature or an Atlas feature. So those are two examples of the tickets that aren't downstream changes at all. It's like we are the originators of that feature. And so you got, we have a mix of both and it's, it's always a lack of not enough people to get all the work done. And so what do we prioritize? What gets punted? And fortunately, it's usually the organic drivers projects that have to take a backseat to the downstream stuff coming from other departments because there's a, we have to think in terms of the global MongoDB ecosystem. And so if an Atlas team is going to develop a new feature and folks can't use that from drivers, <laughs> no one's going to be writing their application with the MongoDB shell directly. Mm-hmm. So we need, there's certain things we need to have in drivers. And then we just kind of solve this by finding enough resources and, and staff to get the job done. Curious about the community involvement. Are there a lot of developers contributing code? So I could say definitely on the PHP driver, there's uh, looking at the extension side and see there's a high barrier of entry in terms of like when I joined the company, I didn't know how to write C extensions in C. It's not just a matter of even knowing C, it's knowing all the macros <laughs> that PHP itself uses. I, it's, we've definitely had a few smaller contributions for the library that's written in PHP, but I would say even then it's not the same as if we compare it to like the Symfony project or other web frameworks like Laravel where there's a lot of community involvement, like people are writing an application, they want a particular feature, or there's a list of a huge list of bugs that there's not enough time for the core developers to work on. And so users pick up the low hanging fruit and, or the bigger projects, depending on what time, and they make a contribution uh, back to the framework. And that's what I was doing in that first company when you used Symphony and Mongo. But I'd say in terms of the drivers, speaking for PHP, there's not a lot of community involvement in terms of uh, definitely for we get issues reported, but in terms of submitting patches or requesting new features, I don't kind of see that same activity. And I don't remember that. I'd say with the PHP driver, I don't see the same kind of uh, user contribution activity that we'd see in popular web frameworks and things. I don't know if that's a factor of the driver does what it needs to do, or people are just kind of considered a black box. It's like, this is the API. I'm going to do what's functionally here and not try and add in new features. Every now and then we do get feature requests, but I don't think they materialize in into code contributions might be like someone wants this functionality. They're not sure how we would design it or they're not sure like what, what internal refactorings or what, what is, what is the the full scope of work required to get this feature done? But they, they voice to us that, Oh, it'd be nice if maybe going like MongoDB's date type was more usable with, with time zones or something like that. So can you provide us with a better way to, this is identifiable, identify a pain point for us. And that'll point us to say, to develop some resources into thinking it through. And maybe that becomes a, general driver spec, maybe that just becomes a project for the PHP driver. I could say a little bit of both. I do want to point out with 
community participation in drivers versus existing drivers, we definitely have a lot of community developed drivers. So the MongoDB as a company, limited staffing, we have maybe a dozen or so languages that we actively uh, support with drivers. There's more, many more than that in terms of community developed drivers. And so that's one of the benefits of us publishing specifications to develop our drivers, kind of like open sourcing our development process is also a boon for community drivers, whether they have the resources to follow along with every feature or not, they might decide some of these features, like the more enterprise features, maybe a community driver doesn't doesn't care about that. But if we're updating the CRUD API or one of the more essential and generally useful features, they can follow along the development processes and see what changes are coming for new server versions and implement that into the community uh, driver. And so that's kind of a, the most efficient way that we've come up with to both support them without having the resources to actually contribute on all those community projects. Because I, I think if we could be great to have MongoDB employees working on a driver for every possible language. It just isn't feasible. So it's the, the second best thing we can do maybe in, in lieu of throwing venture capital money at them and sponsoring the work, which we've done in the past with some drivers and different degrees. But this is open sourcing the design process, keeping that as much, the, not just the finished product, but also the communication, the review process, and keeping that in the GitHub PRs as much as possible so people can follow the, the design rationale that goes into specifications and uh, keep up to date with the driver changes. I'm curious about the about the decline in the PHP community. There's been obviously a number of factors around that, right? The the advent of Node.js and the popularity of frameworks around JavaScript is probably contributing to it. But I'm curious, as someone who works in the PHP space, what are your thoughts around the the general decline of of or, or I'll I'll say that the decrease in the number of new programmers leveraging PHP. Do you, do you see that continuing or do you think that maybe PHP has some, some life left? So I think the it's hard for me to truly identify this because I've been disconnected from developing PHP applications for a long time. But in my time at MongoDB, I'd say maybe for the first seven or eight years of my, my time here, COVID's kind of disrupted everything. But I was reasonably active in attending uh, conferences in the community and watching the changes in the PHP ecosystem with frameworks like Symfony and Laravel, I think Laravel in particularly, some of these are kind of focused by region where you might say, well, Symfony is definitely like more active in, in Europe. Laravel, I think if you look at like US PHP users and the community there where Symfony didn't catch on in the, in the US quite the same way that Laravel did. Um, where the Symfony community maybe didn't develop in the, at the same pace that Laravel did in, in the United States. The, if you go to these conferences, you'll see there's huge amounts of people excited about the language and actively people still giving testimonies that they like taught themselves programming, wrote their first application in one of these frameworks, and now are supporting their families or transitioned from a non-tech job into this. So you definitely still have people learning PHP. I'd say it doesn't have the same story that we get from thinking about Node.js where there's like these boot camps that exist. I don't think you kind of have that same experience for PHP, but there's definitely still a lot of people learning PHP and then making careers out of it. And even in the shift of, in terms of the language maturity, you could say, maybe it's a bit of a stereotype that you could say PHP is a relic of the early 90s. And when people think about the older CMS platforms and maybe projects like uh, WordPress or Drupal, which if we focus on the numbers are still in, like used in incredible numbers in terms of like, the number of websites they, they power. But it's also, I don't think people necessarily look at WordPress deployments and think like, oh, this is the, they might look at that as a more dated platform and that's WordPress as more of a software that you deploy 
as well as a web framework, but like in terms of them supporting older PHP installations and things, and then looking at the newer frameworks where they can do like cutting edge, like we're only going to support PHP, the latest three-year releases of PHP, which is not a luxury that an established platform like WordPress or Drupal might have. But even if we consider Drupal or in the last, in the time I've been at MongoDB, they went from being a kind of a rolled their own framework to redeveloping themselves on top of the Symfony framework and kind of modernizing uh, their innards. And that brought a lot of that you could say the siloed communities where someone might identify as a Drupal developer and just only work in the Drupal ecosystem. And then having that framework change and now be developed upon uh, Symfony and have more interoper interoperability with other web frameworks and PHP packages. Some of those only Drupal developers transitioned to becoming a kind of a jack of all trades PHP developer and more of uh, kind of a well-balanced software engineer in that respect. And I think you'll find people in both camps, like you could certainly be incredibly successful writing WordPress plugins. You could be incredibly successful writing, pumping out websites for clients on, on web frameworks. The same way that you can join a full-time company that decides this entire platform is going to be built on a particular web framework. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a yeah. loaded question there. I, I don't is, think yeah. that PHP is, uh, is going to go anywhere. I think JavaScript gets a lot of publicity, but PHP has a strong foothold in, in the community. And that, that's where I have some experience there with WordPress. That's kind of where I got introduced to PHP as well. But PHP is, yeah, it's not going to go anywhere. I think from, from our perspective on the drivers, it's also, uh, we get to look longingly at a lot of the new PHP versions that come out. It's like right now they're working on kind of an API for async support. Uh, a lot of the new, we have typing, a, a lot more strictly type systems, which as a software engineer, you appreciate, you realize in terms of the flexibility of a scripting language, you don't want typing, but depending which way you're approaching it, as it says, working on the MongoDB driver, there's a lot of new features we want to use. And we're kind of limited in terms of we have customers that are still on PHP, earlier versions of PHP 7 or definitely still some customers maybe on PHP 5. So we have to do the dance in terms of when do we cut off support for older PHP versions or even older MongoDB versions. Uh, so it's not quite as not quite the same struggle that maybe WordPress has to do with being able to be deployed everywhere. But I think when you're developing, when you're developing a project for your own company and you have full control of the tech stack, you can use the latest new features and like some new technology comes off, you want to integrate it you control your full tech stack. When you're writing a library, you kind of have to walk the balance of well, what is the lowest common denominator reasonably that we're going to support because we still have a user base. And so that's where the, the driver's team, we make use of our, our product managers to kind of help us do that research. We collect stats on Atlas users to find out what PHP uh, versions they're using, what MongoDB versions they're using as well. And so that gives us some kind of intelligence to say, should we still be supporting this old PHP version? Well, we have one one or 2% of users. Is that is that worth the amount of time or the sacrifice of features that we're not being able to take advantage of. For sure. Yeah. So I think you talked a little bit about this already, but what, what's on the roadmap coming up? So Andreas and I are definitely looking forward when we have time to focus on just the PHP project development, revisiting some of the BSON integration, uh, coming up with better APIs to not just benefit Doctrine, but I'd say any library that integrates that provides an object mapper on top of the driver and find something generally useful. There's also... Uh, framework integrations that, as I mentioned, I alluded to Laravel previously. So for Laravel as a framework is kind of opinionated around like their ORM that ships with the framework is, is based around relational databases. And so there is a MongoDB integration for Laravel that's kind of community developed. And that kind of deals with the least common denominator problem over, well, we can't take advantage of all the MongoDB features because we have to provide a consistent API with the relational ORM that ships with Laravel. 
And this is a similar challenge when in the past within the driver's team or people outside the and other departments in MongoDB have said, oh, why don't we get WordPress working on MongoDB or why don't we get Drupal running on MongoDB? And it's not as easy as it seems because if the entire platform assumes, uh, because same thing has come up before with uh, a very long time ago with the Django Python framework. It's like, oh, let's get Django running on MongoDB. And this was like 10 years ago. And I think it's certainly a challenge when you're, when the, the framework itself has, you can't fight the inertia of the opinionated decisions of the, the framework. So but in Laravel's case, they have this community-supported MongoDB integration, and it struggles with implementing a lot of MongoDB features that just kind of can't be shoehorned into that. And so that's a project that is no longer in the original developer's hands. It's kind of has a team behind it of people in the community that have varying levels amount of time to focus on these features. So that project is now in the hands of uh, a team, not the original maintainer, and they're I think, I mean, they all have jobs. They all have other things that they're doing this in their spare time uh, for free. So this is something that we can provide some guidance on in the past. Like we've chipped in on code reviews and tried to answer some difficult questions about MongoDB. I think the direction they're going now is kind of, they want to remove features for a next future version and kind of simplify things and get what they have really stable. But if that's something when, if we can build up our staff here and devote more time to, because we look at our internal stats, we definitely have a lot of MongoDB customers happen to be using Laravel with PHP or the Symfony framework. So I think a lot of our, given how many PHP users use things like Drupal and WordPress, we're not seeing them on MongoDB the same way that people using the raw frameworks and developing applications themselves might choose that in that case, they're in full control of what they deploy on. And when they choose to use MongoDB, we want to make sure that they have, it may not be the first class because it's the, can't be the, the same experience as the the ORM that ships with, with the framework. But I think it's definitely, there's, if we strategize and think about what are the features that we can support, but that, and that's definitely going to require us familiarizing ourselves with the, with the framework. Cause I'd say that the longer we spend at MongoDB working on the driver directly, we become more disconnected from the time when we were application developers. And so we can approach this two ways. We can devote our time to spending time writing example applications and finding those pain points for ourselves. We can try and hire someone familiar with the library, which is like the benefit of when I was hired or Andreas was hired coming out of a PHP application job. And then you get to bring that experience and then it's a matter of time before they become <laughs> disconnected over the next 10 years. Either yeah, either recruiting someone with the experience or spending time to experiment the framework and find out the pain points or interview users is another thing that our product managers do. And that'll give us some direction in terms of what are the things we want to focus on, time permitting, and where can we have the most impact to give our users a better experience. So folks listening that want to give feedback, what's the best way to do that? Are are you involved in the forums, the community.mongodb.com forums? So we do monitor those. I'd say a lot of the support questions there uh, because the driver's team itself is just a few people per language versus the entirety of our community support team and the, the technical services department. So I'm not certainly not going on there every day to, to check for new user questions. And to give credit to our community support team, like they're able to answer a lot of the language questions themselves. That's something. And then they come, they escalate stuff to us if there's if there's a bigger question, just like our paid commercial support team does. They field so many things ourselves. And then maybe once or twice a month, we'll get like a language question come to us. And it's just like, we're kind of stumped here. Can you explain what the driver's doing or tell us if this is a bug? But I would say the community forums is the best way to, if you're posting there, the information will definitely reach us because certainly our product managers, the people that are kind of a full-time focus of dealing with the community are going to see that first. In terms of for the drivers, we're definitely active on Jira and our uh, various GitHub projects. And I think those are best used for reporting actual bugs instead of general support inquiries. I know like some other open source projects, they'll use GitHub to track like ideas and, and all, not just bug reports and things like that. In our case, we kind of 
for our make best use of our time, we kind of silo, okay, we want to keep Jira and GitHub for bugs and the customer support issues. If there's open discussions I have, we have these community forums and that helps us efficiently kind of keep the information in the, in the best forum, no pun intended to discuss it. Yeah. Well, this has been a great discussion. Thank you so much for sharing all of the details about the PHP driver and the extension. Uh, if there are if there are pain points, we definitely we're like we're I could definitely say like other like other languages have more vocal people, and so it's always unsure. Do we just happen to not have people talking to us, or is it a matter of where the users don't think that they should be raising the concerns? I so just I reiterate and encourage people to share the feedback. Or there's yeah. no concerns. Yeah, or maybe they're actually <laughs> maybe in terms it just of our, works that good. Our bug reports are like very. We get very few bug reports relatively compared Fantastic. to some other drivers. That's well, a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Jeremy, thank you so much once again. I truly appreciate your time. Jesse, thanks for, for helping out with the interview. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great talking to you guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com. Launching rockets doesn't have to be rocket science with MongoDB. While you might not be launching rockets, modern apps need to incorporate analytics just like NASA and SpaceX. To see how MongoDB Atlas shifts real-time analytics into your applications, check out our three-part live stream where my guest Jay Runkle will build an application in real-time, simulating a rocket launch with multiple devices generating 1 million metrics per second. The fun starts live on LinkedIn and YouTube Live on March 15th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Visit the show notes for this episode or click the banner for more details.